All right, uh, once again, we have donuts. Uh, just, just thought I would say that again. Uh, and at any time in which I'm um, seeking to uh, deliver a sermon here, or have a conversation, really, regarding uh, the book of Galatians, and that's what we're starting this morning, you can literally get up and go have donuts. Um, it's, it's that kind of, kind of laid back. Um, we are starting a new series, a conversation series that we're calling Living Out the Gospel. And the reason why we think that the title is important is... Uh, the gospel, and when I say that word gospel, you probably have a lot of things coming into your mind. Uh, a lot of that is uh, contingent upon where you grew up, what kind of church you went to. You may be seeing choir uh, robes and a big choir whenever I say the word gospel. You may think of a certain type of music. Uh, but the title of this is called Living Out the Gospel. So just uh, as we're coming into this, our, our writer Paul, who's writing to a group of churches in what would be modern-day Turkey, an area called Galatia, there's a group of churches there, and as he's writing to them, he's both um, encouraging them, but he's also very perplexed. He's very upset as he writes this letter, and he's upset because there is a different gospel that's being taught in the church that he helped start. And in fact, he goes on to say that there is no other gospel. Um, so it's almost like uh, if, if you revise it a little bit, you reverse it totally. If you, if you tweak it ever so slightly, it's not even the very thing that you set out to do. Um, I'm recalling making cookies with my mother um, many, many, many years ago, and as we prepare to get ready to go back to visit my mom and dad over uh, Christmas for a little time there. I know that she and I will probably be making these cookies together. And one of the memories that comes to my mind is how one time in making these cookies with my mother, um, instead of using uh, the sugar um, and a little bit of salt, I used nothing but salt. Um, if you're any what of a baker, you know you've got to have a little bit of salt with the sugar. You can't just have all sugar, and most definitely, these cookies I made had all salt. The point in bringing up that recipe in those cookies is a lot about what Paul is dealing with here regarding the gospel. Once you begin to revise it a little bit, you reverse the whole thing. You don't even have cookies anymore. Uh, and it's certain things are worth speaking out about. Cookies are really not worth speaking out about. The gospel and the gospel changing is something that Paul feels very passionate about speaking out about. Uh, again, it's the, the Galatian church leaders are perverting the gospel, as Paul is going to write about. And they're perverting it because as the gospel was beginning to spread in the known world at the time, there in Jerusalem, the first Christians were Jewish. Makes sense, right? But the plan for the gospel and the good news was for this good news to spread to other regions and consequently bringing in other ethnicities. Don't look now, but we have a multi-ethnic church. That's what was on God's heart. Um, however, here in Galatia, there are ones who are thinking that those uh, Gentile believers, which means non-Jewish folks, who are now coming to faith in Christ, that they too, if they really want to be a Christian and a good Christian, they need to be circumcised. And they need to uphold dietary laws and customs and all the rules uh, of the Mosaic law. And Paul 
is stepping in gently but very truthfully with this letter, and he's saying, no way. No way. May it never be. Um, And so he's going to give us a summary of what the gospel is. Um, Our three points today that are printed here for you is, what is the gospel? What is the gospel? And the second one is, losing the gospel today. We're losing it. We're losing it. And the last one is why it matters. Why, why would I even be choosing the book of Galatians for us to, 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 to talk about? How is it relevant here in San Francisco? How is losing the gospel relevant in, in your life and in my life? So let's just start by reading the, the text that's there. It's Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by any man, but sent by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised Jesus from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under God's curse. As we have already said, and now I say again, if anybody is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let them be under God's curse. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. What is the gospel? What is the gospel? Not only according to Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, right? As as soon as you open up the New Testament, you know that it says the gospel according to Matthew. Um, What is the gospel? Not only according to Paul um, in the epistle here to the Galatians, but how would you envision yourself explaining the gospel to a friend that asked you, what do you believe? What would you say? How would you try to summarize the gospel? Uh, It's this biblical uh, gospel of grace. In fact, we're titling this uh, sermon message here, Gospel of Grace. It's all about grace. Grace is God's message to us. And uh, as, as Paul begins to teach and encourage this uh, group of churches in Galatia, it's very important for us to understand who the audience is that he's sending this letter to. And here's why it's important. For some of us, we think the gospel is just for non-Christians. And if we can just get the gospel to non-Christians, they then can believe the gospel and be saved. Paul, yes, has that in mind, but he also has believers in mind that the gospel isn't just the sort of ABCs to help you get to God. The gospel is the A to Z in the Christian life. You don't graduate. We never get to a certain level in our Christian walk and we say, you know what, I'm kind of bored with these general talks about the gospel. I'm just kind of ready to get to some, something a little meatier. 
Paul is very um, intentional at bringing these believers right back to the A to Z to the Christian life. Um, one of my favorite writers, his name is Tim Keller, and he, he tries his best to summarize the gospel by basically using two points. And one of his points is, you are more flawed and deeply sinful than you dare admit. And he kind of just lets you sit in that for a moment. And he said, and yet simultaneously, because of the gospel, you are more loved and forgiven and cherished than you could ever dare hope. And you catch the tension between those two realities. Uh, that's, that's the gospel. And according to Paul, verse 1, verse 1 here of our chapter, uh, he's basically telling us that, that, that the gospel is news. He, he talks about the resurrection of Jesus. Like historically, it happened. The gospel's news. The gospel is nothing that you need to leave here today after hearing and think, I need to go do something so that this will be true. In fact, the gospel is just the opposite. The gospel is that something in history has already happened to us. And therefore, we are coming to celebrate what's already happened. Verse 2, if you look at it, there's a global audience. He's writing to these churches in Galatia. And again, that was the very heart of the gospel, even found in the Old Testament when God was already promising, Abraham, if you can count the number of stars or if you can count even like the grains of sand on the seashore, so will your descendants be, meaning all nations will come and know me. God's plan was not just for Jerusalem and the Jewish community. It was for all peoples. So it had a global outreach in mind. Verse 3, look at the tone here of the gospel. When you think about what is the gospel, it says grace and peace. Great. Let me just ask you this. Who did you have coffee with this week? Or who did you text with this week that greeted you with grace and peace? Did anyone? I doubt it. And I'm being silly a little bit here, but we should be a community. We should be a family. Not out of rote um, habit that we sort of have to do it, but that there is some power in the way that we can really greet each other when we see each other. By saying even those words, grace and peace to you. And I, I love the specificity here of, of his tone. He's not just saying grace and peace. Like, hey, I want you to have grace and peace, and I just hope you feel good today. That'd be, that'd be kind of cool. But he goes a little deeper, and he, he tethers it, or he attaches it to grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Whoa, he's starting to get very specific about where this grace is coming from, where this peace truly comes from in your life and in my life. Verse 4, he clarifies what the gospel is by telling us that it's a mission. Look at this. Christ gave himself for our sins to rescue us. Jesus was the perfect missionary who, who entered as a human being into our space and into our world to take on your suffering and mine. And then in verse 5, he tells us that the gospel is a celebration. He says, to God the Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. May there be like applause and praise and like just, it all belongs to you, Lord God. That's what the gospel is. If, you, if you're in a bar and, and for some weird reason, the bartender or someone in the bar said, all drinks on me. 
Like, 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 that's sort of, like if that's your thing and that's one of the things you do, that gets your attention. That speaks in such a way that it's like, wait a minute, this is not normal. Someone's taking care of that. What? You're, you're at an, an, an all-expense-paid meal, yet you don't know it at the time. You're almost feeling guilty as you're eating, wondering if you should eat more or order more. And someone at the restaurant lets you know, it's on me. And you're acting a little shy and guilty, and I want you to go fill up your plate as much as you want. Or it's like getting a letter in the mail and realizing that you have a rich uncle. <laughs> whoa, we're like, whoa, I gotta go check the mail. And realizing that there is some inheritance that's been left for you, that's been planned long ago. You didn't do anything to get it, you did nothing to get it. Yet it was reserved for you, it was inheritance. That is what grace is all about. That is what the gospel is all about. And in verse 6 here, he, he says that the gospel is about calling. The God who called you. Hey, heads up, you didn't call God. If you're a Christian, you ended up calling God, but you called God because God called you. You ended up following Jesus because God f- called you. Every other religion teaches just the opposite. If you'll do the right thing, if you'll live your life right, God will bless you. And the gospel does just the opposite and says it's not just for good people. In fact, it's for those who haven't done the right things. I'm going to bless those people. I'm going to call those people. This is good news. That God accepts us on the merit of Christ but I think today we're losing it. I think uh, we're losing the gospel. Um, a friend of mine, it was one of you, I forget which one it was, uh, just before our worship gathering started today, we were talking about the, the, the Reformation. And um, one of the reformers that comes up in my mind is, is Martin Luther. And just, just the, the, the passion that Martin Luther had about the gospel. And Martin Luther wrote an incredible commentary on this very book of Galatians. And in it, he, he quotes, he says, There is no middle ground between Christian righteousness and works righteousness. There is no other alternative to Christian righteousness but works righteousness. If you do not build your confidence on the work of Christ, you must build your confidence on your own work. What Martin Luther's getting after is you will place your hope in something. You will gain your strength, your identity, your power, your intellect. It will come from some source. And the gospel is telling you that source cannot be yourself. You don't have the ability to save yourself. Um, So a a, a few false gospels, if I may. When I say we're losing the gospel today, I'm going to try to present a few false gospels that I'm hearing, you're probably hearing and I want us to be aware of, and you probably have several more that you could add, and I'm sure I could add more to this list. Um, And I bring this up because of verse 6 and 7. Paul says, I'm astonished that you're so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ, and you're turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. One false gospel that's out there, and you hear this in some churches and you hear this uh, in different places, but it basically says you are saved through your relationship with Christ plus good deeds. I hope you caught that. Jesus plus something. And Paul gets furious about that. 
And that's another summary of what the gospel really is. The gospel is Jesus plus nothing. Jesus not plus your efforts. Jesus not plus, I'm going to try harder this time. Um, Pressure to generate a high degree of spiritual sorrow. You ever been in a church like that? You ever been around people like that? If we uh, orchestrate and just kind of get ourselves so low, we, we could somehow generate enough sorrow for our sin and so forth that that would somehow gain God's favor. And, uh, and sort of once you, if you can, which you can't, but if you could procure that and create that, imagine trying to sustain that. Imagine how exhausting that is. And some of us have tried these things. Some of us have lived a life full of some of that. And again, Paul is saying we want to live out the gospel. We want to see the gospel influence what we think about ourselves and how God thinks about us. And my identity is totally changed forever because of the gospel. So see, the false gospel here basically is saying that your performance is the Savior. Hope you do good. You better do damn good this week. If you're, if you're banking at all on your performance, you had better done a good job of it. The gospel says that our Savior is Christ. We have a representative who isn't just going to do good. He's perfect. A second false gospel is, hey, you know what? It really doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're a good person. You want to go with Jesus? Go with Jesus. You want to go with that? Fine, just be a good person. Be a good and loving person. And, and I submit that this sounds inclusive and tolerant, does it not? Um, but, it, but it's actually very intolerant of grace. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, to, to say that it, it, it doesn't matter and, and, and God will call you and, and you can have a relationship with God insofar as you're a good person, let me ask the obvious question. What about people who aren't good? That's you. That's me. What happens then? What, what do we do with a gospel that says God only blesses those uh, that, that do good? And the true gospel that's in the Bible and that Paul is presenting here um, is that um, bad people have hope. Um, it's not just good people that can know God, but even those that are truly sinners. In fact, that was sort of the summary of Jesus' message, that, hey, if, if you think that you don't need a physician, basically, to heal your spiritual soul, I can't help you. Go help yourselves. Tongue-in-cheek, a little sarcasm as well. Jesus knowing that they can't heal themselves. But it takes humility, and it takes one saying, I am that person. I need God's mercy. I am the sinner over here. I need grace. I need that physician. And as we see in Matthew 22, it's both good and bad that are invited to God's feast. It's God preparing a table, God preparing a feast like you can't even imagine, and inviting all. Will all come? No. Does God's invitation go out to all? Absolutely. Another false gospel is... A gospel that says and is very judgmental and intolerant of small differences that we might have with one another. Have you ever been in one of those places? This is a very legalistic environment that says um, either, on one hand, I'll use um, drinking alcohol, for example. 
uh, just randomly, arbitrarily choosing that one, but in this sort of community um, that is very judgmental and intolerant of differences, they take something that's very non-essential and they would say, um, you can have it, but you can only have this much of it, or you must have this much of it if you're truly a Christian. There's some great specificity that they begin to erect regarding how we dress, uh, how we go on dates with one another, um, what we do with our time, our, our money, and it, it's, it's legalism. It's not grace-centered and grace-based. And again, the, the, the attitude and the motive there for such a non-gospel or false gospel is if we do the right things, God will certainly bless us. And if you ever spend time around a community or a person who's really steeped in that, when they go through suffering, you will meet one of the most angry and bitter and confused people you have ever met in your life. And and why is that? Again, according to this false gospel, it says to self, God, you owe me a good life. You owe me a good life. I gave my money. I gave my time. Heck, I was even on staff of a church. I, I, we, we did all this for you. And, th- and then this, and, and look at the parables, by the way. Jesus talks about this quite a bit. I mean, it, it's the parables where Jesus continually graces everybody. And, and the Pharisees are just kind of like, like befuddled and shocked. Or he's telling stories of, you know, like the... Um, the vineyard, and he, he goes out and recruits workers to come, and they're all going to get the same wage, and at the end of the day, he, he's settling up with, with the people who are working, and even the person who came at the last minute got the same amount as the person who had worked the whole time. I'd be kind of mad, wouldn't you? Now, that's what the gospel is. The one who came first, and the one who came in the middle, and the one who, who came last, none of them deserve it. None of them deserve Grace, and that's what grace is. Here's why all this matters. This is that point in the sermon where you must be asking, so what? So what? Why does this even matter? Uh, First of all, a different gospel brings condemnation is why it matters. Verse 8. Hear the words of Paul. He says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let them be under a curse. Wow, these are pretty high stakes. Paul, he's not talking about cookies here. He's going to speak out about something that's truly worth talking about. And if there's a different gospel, notice his humility. He's basically saying, hey, I, you, you know, I'm your leader. I started this church and everything, but I want you to know something. If you ever hear even me talking, teaching something that's not, you know, like the gospel. You should not listen to me anymore. You should not follow me anymore. What Paul is very subtly but powerfully doing here is he's saying, Scripture has authority over the Apostle Paul. Scripture should have authority over institutions um, that are at least in his name and, and definitely leadership from within those institutions and those churches. Paul is, is also saying here um, that if an angel comes to you, I mean, imagine that. Literally, if an angel comes into your presence like, whoa, and starts like saying, hey, the real gospel is believe in Jesus plus da 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 blah, 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 blah. Let the angel be accursed. 
There's no other gospel. You can't veer from the gospel. Once you start revising it in the slightest form, you, you, you reverse the whole thing. Paul is teaching us that the Bible has authority over Paul. The Bible has authority over the church and its hierarchy. The church doesn't have authority over the Bible. The church can't a la carte choose what it wants to teach, but it's the Bible that has authority. Some of us grew up Catholic. We know exactly where this conversation goes here. Um, The Bible is the foundation of your life as a Christian. It's not you as a Christian that we now begin to look at the Bible and say, you know what, I don't know about that part of Scripture. A la carte. I'm just going to choose this one, but I'm going to rip out that page because I'm not really feeling it. Paul is teaching you and me that Scripture has authority over your feelings. Ouch. Scripture has authority and gentleness over your experiences. This is why it matters. The second reason is a different gospel is no gospel at all. Verse 6 and 7. You're saved by grace through the work of Christ and nothing else. There is no other gospel. There is no other truth and good news. And there's lots of things circling around out there. Right? Uh, Build a career. That'll give you all the happiness that you're looking for, right? As long as you sustain it. Um, Build uh, a very promiscuous uh, sex life. That'll do it for you. have no one or no authority, no, no Christ-centeredness in your life and just sort of be your own man. Be your own woman. Uh, be free. That'll really do it for you. And as I throw out a few of these different options and different false gospels, here's why it matters. You've tried those things, have you not? I've tried those things. You and I both have tried those things. Uh, this is another reason why I love the Bible so much is a lot of the Bible writers are writing from that very humble position saying, God, we've looked everywhere. We've looked everywhere and we've come up short. We've come up empty. I, I banked it all on those A4 things, aforementioned things we mentioned there. But, but it cheated on me. It lied to me. It stole from me. It shackled me. It made me a slave to it. And that's because other gods are vicious. Other gods are vicious. They will enslave you. They will enslave you. They will lie to you and cheat on you and steal from you. And Paul, with passion and mercy, is saying, wake up. Wake up. Here's why it matters that there can't be another gospel. There's only one gospel. It's Christ. It starts with Christ. It ends with Christ. As soon as you add anything to it, you've lost it entirely. When you revise it, you you reverse it. But here's probably the most important reason it matters. It's found in verse 6. He says, you are deserting the one who called you. Are you feeling the betrayal involved in, in this very point that he's making here about why having another gospel is damaging to your very soul? The very God who called you out of a previous reality and lifestyle is now transforming you by the gospel. If you choose a different gospel, you are deserting that very Savior. Verse 6 here, he's just saying you're deserting the one who, who called you. You didn't call God. God called you. It was out of grace. He's called you into a relationship. 
He promises and pledges to you, I, I pledge myself to you. I give myself to you. I spare no expense. I sent my own son. I I went all the way. I entered into the chaos and into the mess. You know what? So this week, don't, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And here's another false gospel as we kind of end our conversation here today. But another false gospel this week would be, hey, don't be afraid this week because you know what? You got what it takes. Go get them. Sounds kind of good. But it'll last about 30 minutes, if that long. The gospel says, in your fear, thank you, Bible, for acknowledging my real emotions. In your fear, remember that God is with you. And God will walk with you in the midst of your fear. When that fear feels utterly paralyzing, when you're at the new job or when you're at a job you've been at for a little while and and there's that impressing the boss kind of thing going on or there's that relationship where you just feel stuck in it, something's got it bottlenecking there, it's this moment where the living out the gospel is so transformative. It's so real. And there's no other, like, talking up to ourselves or self-help books that gets you through it. The gospel gets you through it. The gospel of Christ who came and lived a life on your behalf that you and I could never live for ourselves. We could never produce it. Wow. And then the righteousness that Jesus procured and worked hard at by being perfect, he then transfers that righteousness to you as a free gift. So it's a a gospel transfer of what's going on. My record, your record as sinners, which deserves God's condemnation and judgment, Christ took that upon himself. And the perfection and righteousness which Christ won and received and, 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 and lived his life for, we then get that gift that we could be seen as righteous in God's courtroom. That, that's good news. That's the gospel. And God is in the midst of causing that very good news to be taxied and taken to different regions of this very city through the very people sitting in this room. Weak, unstable at times as each of us might be. We are a beautiful mess. All of us. And even collectively, like all the more. Remember those two points of the gospel I was quoting one of my favorite authors where he said that you and I are more deeply flawed and sinful than we err, than we ever even want to admit. Like the things about me that I don't even want you to know. Yet, because of grace, 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 you and I are far more loved and accepted because of the work of Christ than I could ever dare hope could be possible. That causes a church, that causes an individual who's a Christian to be unleashed, to be free, to not be controlled by what people think about me, but to have my identity transformed. This is the gospel. 
the work that the Christian does. In fact, the disciples are looking at Jesus in one of the Gospels there in the New Testament saying, but we want to do the same works that you're doing, Jesus. You know, like all those cool miracles and stuff. And Jesus says, here is the work of God. Believe. Believe. There's the work of the Christian. Believe. And that means lean on, depend on, trust in, bank on Christ. Let's pray. Father, we are humbled. We are those people that need grace and mercy. And Lord, instead of saying it's sin out there somewhere that needs grace and mercy, it's us. It's us. We name it. It's us. We, we need grace. We need your forgiveness. And we thank you for Christ. Christ alone that saves us. Lord, help each of us in our journey of knowing you more intimately. Trust you. Help us believe you. Help us bank it all on this good news of the gospel. We pray all this in the name of King Jesus. Amen.